well, you know, football's weird, isn't it? Like, it really is. <laughs> three nil-nil draws on a bounce. One of the most soul-destroying games you could ever hope to, well, I was going to say witness, but there was so much fog you couldn't actually see it. Um, and then, <laughs> glorious light, like, you know, like a pre-Raphaelite sky bursting through the fog at Crystal Palace comes Manchester United 2, Manchester City nil. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in, up the Ruddy Reds! <laughs> you know what? Before this game, I was, I'd gone past just doom to you know fatalism i was just like we're gonna get we're gonna get battered what's the point we can't score and we can't defend so you know just accept that this is going to be humiliating and city are going to win their 22nd game on the bounce uh and it wasn't like that at all and and you know i think in a sense they played into our hands in a sense and so you know we can talk about the mistakes i think pep made in this game but but let's also talk about Everything United did well because they did the defending piece really, really well. You know, defending within their own box. Just almost City had created almost no good chances despite all their possession, despite all the shots. You know, look at the shot map. It's quite amusing, actually. And United got better and better at playing on the break. Actually, not very good in the first half. I think it got a bit desperate, didn't it? But um, then started exploiting space well. So, yeah, up the Reds. It, it was absolutely amazing, really, because so I, I, I think um, I mean, I'm not going to necessarily say that this deserves specific credit because Dan James has just been a default selection. But it was a really smart selection in this game because it was very clear that the 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 tactical plan was to defend deep, but for the front three in particular to give City as little space and time as possible. And so the pressing, I mean, it wasn't swarming in packs but if the ball was anywhere on the left with City's defenders or their keeper Rashford was doing it if it was through the middle Martial backed up by Bruno if it was on the right Dan James was doing it they were harrying them and giving them no time on the ball at all which is exactly what they did in um, this fixture last season and the uh, the one where we won at Old Trafford last season and you know for a team that's so good on the ball they were rattled and they gave United the ball in the first half a lot thanks to United's uh, pressing. Now, um, one of the things I was going to say about the Palace game in particular, or I was certainly feeling, was essentially the current um, setup of football is completely unsustainable. Like, you can't expect teams to play under the social conditions that they're in. Playing twice a week, every single week, with absolutely no break is completely unreasonable. And that's why almost every team in the league is bad this season, basically. Um, But... And so their energy levels dropped in the second half. They weren't able to keep hurrying to the same levels. But then they reverted to defending really well as a as a collective and breaking, using that energy rather than pressing City, using that energy to, to counterattack. It was really effective. Yeah. I mean, the, the press was... I mean, the, the, clearly there are triggers for the press at United. I, they they weren't doing it in packs, as you said. It was it was more one-on-one. So I, I didn't think it was super effective, but at least it meant that um, United were pushed out, right? And I think that's 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 good, you know, not not getting deeper and deeper and deeper, which did happen through the game. But um, the, the thing that I thought United were not particularly good at in the first half was finding the right pass into space because there was lots and lots of space behind City's fullbacks. I mean, they pushed both of them forward all of the time. Um, and and in the second half, they found that space a lot uh, and it, it enabled United to be dangerous um, and for City to have a 
second thought about what their shape was, you know, even if a lot of that didn't come off for United, and some of it did. Um, it, it allowed an outball and it, it stopped that thing that was happening in the last 15 minutes of the first half where United just couldn't get out at all. You know, because if Rashford's central 40 yards from goal and he's trying to take on three players in order to find some space, that that's how City kill you. Um, yeah. And for him to be 20 or 30 yards further forward, which happened more and more as the game went, went on, and then Daniel James, as you mentioned, I thought that really helped the tactical plan. You know, the thing that terrifies me about this United team is the defending, but not when they're defending their own penalty spot. You know, Maguire and Lindelof, I think we've seen plenty of times now, can do that. Mm. And it really helped them. That, And I think Pep made a big mistake here. It helped them that they played a number nine. In, in Jesus, who's not even a particularly good number nine. And, you know, that's, I think, why City are trying to get rid of him. Um, and and but it's just he's standing there with and and allows Mark Maguire or Lindelof, whichever one's on him in the zone, to to mark the man rather than having to mark space in front and behind, yeah. which is what they would have had to do if if City had played with a a false nine, yeah, whether it was Sterling or De Bruyne or Foden up there, and men running beyond them. I think they would have just capitulated. So I, I was really surprised about the selection, and I think it just helped City play in a much more traditional way, which helped United with that defensive low block and then breaking. Yeah, I mean, I just slight counterpoint when I was saying that the press was quite effective. I'm, I was talking about specific occasions on which they were. Right turnovers generated like the one that went out to Fred um was it Zinchenko maybe um that just passed the ball out to Fred instead of um uh instead of clearing his lines and another another turnover just before just before that and City looked kind of rattled of course we haven't even talked about it but they were rattled from the off so I thought uh, Martial missed a big chance in this game and you know lots of people have written him off and blah 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 but Gary Neville gave him man of the match and I thought I thought Luke Shaw was man of the match but I I thought the Martial Shout was perfectly reasonable because um, he was excellent holding up play. He was excellent at taking on City defenders. And of course, he did what he does um, so effectively, which is just draw legs to him. Like he, yeah. it was, I mean, there's a hundred million thousand percent penalty. Like no, no, not an inch of doubt. There was more doubt about the Luke Shaw goal because I was really worried that Rashford would be a fraction offside um, in that pass. But the, the, you know, as soon as you saw one replay of the, penalty shout you knew there was no chance it was getting overturned and uh, Edison did well got a a strong hand to it but not well enough Bruno clearly put a lot of power behind that it had the the brilliant camera angle from behind the FIFA camera angle love it when they do that um feels very futuristic that they can do that um but it was uh, was yeah Yes, uh, no, no. I mean, you, you're totally right. Martial in this game was his is his best game for quite a long time, wasn't it? Yeah. And and because he was willing to run the channels, because he participated in the press, and when he got the ball, he ran into space and ran with the ball, and and all of that was required. And all the things that go wrong with Martial when he's not playing well, one of it's the finishing, sure. Uh, but a lot of it is also his his movement, and he becomes very static, and that's deeply yeah. frustrating for a lot of people, um, even for fans of his, you know. And I, I guess, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. we're fans, and you're an Uber fan. Uh, so, <laughs> I'm just a fan. I'm just a fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a podcast, so no one can see, but you're wearing your Martial t-shirt, and 
no pictures of Anthony Martial anywhere in my home. Definitely yeah. not a room and with it, loads of pictures of him like Alan Partridge. <laughs> That's right. I mean, he missed two chances in this game. And, and of course, he's going to get pelters on, in social media for that because, you know, that's all people remember, the the the, the end of the game and the highlights. But he, um, you know, I thought his all-round game was good. Apart Are, from you that. Counting, Are you counting the header as a missed chance? Yeah, the well, one. Sort of, yeah, sort of a chance, yeah. First half, yeah. The second one, when the second one when he's through is uh, a big, big chance. Obviously, that, that was a, that was a great big chance. But the the header at the back post where Rashford basically just made it impossible for him to get anything on the ball meaningfully. I, you know, they they got there was a lack of communication between the two of them. There wasn't there. I thought. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I've uh, I think I've been um, you know. A little bit on the fence about Cavani's impact this season, but Cavani's getting everyone and the ball <laughs> for that one and sticking it in, isn't he? Yeah, well, Gary Neville said, actually, like, um, Martial's been brilliant today, but that's the one moment, you know, fans would have wanted Cavani on the pitch. Um, uh, so, um, brilliant, a brilliant start. And then, you know, the the thing that immediately flashed into my mind was the last time Martial was fouled in the box and Bruno scored a goal from the penalty spot within a minute. We lost 6-1. So um, there was a lot of nerves, but actually uh, United really got on the front foot for that first 15, 20 minutes. And yeah. then City, City definitely asserted their dominance um, uh, for the second half of the first half. But, um, and, and as you say, United struggled to break in that period. But I thought that first 15, 20 minutes did kind of sustain them confidence-wise. And it meant that, um, I don't know, there was, you know... The one, the one really big chance the City had doesn't even show on the shot maps because it's the one where the ball comes past Lindelof. But Lindelof does, I think, just enough to put Sterling off. And he ends up uh, getting his legs in a muddle, basically, and, and not getting a shot from, you know, he was directly in front of an open goal. That's now 23 games in a, that uh, he's played against United and somehow never scored. Uh, that's a remarkable record. And talking of remarkable records, of course, this this game was billed in the um, in the build up as the kind of clash between United's unbroken away record that goes back however many games it goes back now, um, and uh, City's ridiculous WWW you know however many wins in a row they've got twenty eight or something uh, maybe not twenty eight twenty one twenty one wins and it's, it might be twenty eight unbeaten it was a long long run anyway. I mean, I was very sure beforehand which one of those two yeah. runs was coming to an end, but it wasn't that way. And the thing you have to say, and and this is a bit like, uh, maybe maybe some people are right about some stuff that I'm wrong about. The players looked unbelievably mega up for this one in a way they just didn't at Crystal Palace at the in midweek. And, and at, at Palace, I was making every excuse in, under the sun in my head, which is like, they are being asked to do something absolutely impossible here. It turns out when they're asked to do that impossible thing against Man City, they're like, all right, lads, come on. <laughs> no messing around. Let's yes, do but it. you know, f- fatigue can work in waves, right? So they, they didn't use up quite as much energy midweek as maybe they do on some other games. I haven't seen the running stats and, and it's also not just about total distance, is it? It's about a number of sprints and and uh you know how how often it happens in a game. Um but I, I just wonder whether yeah the energy levels dipped a little in midweek or they reserved a little bit mentally. Um and they put it in today because they did put a shift in today. You know uh, defending against a city team that keeps the ball um as well as City do is is tiring 
and and they did that really well today. I the Bruno penalty right from the off. I was a little nervous when he started running straight. Have to admit, don't like it when a player runs at it straight because his body shape's all wrong. But he uh, somehow crabbed his way into the ball and hit it clean enough. Um, and and United, yeah, they they were very positive in terms of their their press uh, and the first five minutes created space. And I think it did help shape them mentally. Um, and they had a very good resolve to get what they got out of this game and deserved it, you know. And, and one of those games, I think it was the other way around. And there have been times in our in our life supporting United, plenty of times when we've dominated the game, uh, certainly in terms of possession and creating chances or half chances or spaces or opportunities and, and um, being done by a team playing on the counter. So it's, it's really frustrating to lose that way. But United had a plan, executed the plan and and got yet another win under Oli at the Etihad. That's three in a row. I mean, it's. Uh, I was on the Blue Moon podcast in midweek and, you know, they were asking about uh, about that record and, and, um, and you know, I, I kind of downplayed it a little bit. It's like kind of about circumstance and when we've been there and what's been going on around the two teams. I thought the nil-nil earlier in this season at Old Trafford was heavily influenced by, you know... City were in a kind of like were uh, were gathering their resources essentially and getting ready for a big push and they were kind of happy to get that game out of the way with no big scars taken. Um, but actually, this one there's no there's no mitigation whatsoever. United are three nil nil draws on the bounce, um, playing twice a week, every single week, literally all season um, uh, against the City side that are absolutely flying. And we did, a. I mean, nobody else has been able to do to them what we did to them for 21 games. And that's that's pretty remarkable. And it is, you know, there is a level of frustration about where, where we are as a kind of collective in total. When Marcus Rashford was on the official United podcast, he said it is, it is frustrating because we know we're as good as anyone. And they are. They're, they're, they're as good as anyone. They can, there is nobody in world football that they can't give a game to on their day. It's just... You know, it's got a touch of the eighties about it, hasn't it? They, uh, they're, they're a, they're a spotlight team. You know, they, they, they do yes. brilliantly in the spotlights, in the bright lights. Yes, I mean, and we've talked about this before, but it, you, you still see in a game like this that um, Ollie has a defensive plan, and you wonder whether there is an offensive plan, and it, it is much more about the people and the personalities and their own individual performances than than attacking patterns that you very clearly see with City. But it doesn't mean that in a one-off game, United can't win it, clearly, because there was a, a plan there. But, you know, I still have my doubts about where, where we are going and and whether whether this team and this manager with the resources available and and likely available in the summer can, can take another step forward beyond this, you know. And I, I, I do have a lot of doubt. I think probably it's unlikely, but but still, for this one-off occasion with this one-off tactical plan, and and Pep making mistakes, I think a big one, um, it, it'll fell into our you know it'll fall into Ollie's lap and it and it worked out well for him and and good for him, you know. Um, I and then like looking back on Wednesday and the lack of energy, I, I do worry about, and I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here. Um, it's quite a narrow squad United have got in terms of sure. you know depth, isn't it? As soon as 
Cavani's out, so Daniel James is in, and Daniel James might have been in anyway, and, and Cavani might have played instead of Martial because because on the defensive side and certainly in, in this tactical plan, Oli likes him. But, you know, it starts looking very thin with a few injuries. Uh, Pogba out has affected United quite a lot in terms of progressing the ball when we're on the front, supposed to be on the front foot. Gets a lot of pelters in social media, of course, Pogba, but I think United have missed him. Well, those those pelters have gotten awful Um, lot quieter since he came back and it was like everyone was like, okay, well, I hate him, but he's clearly United's best player, so I'm going to shut up for a bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, as with Anthony Martial, it doesn't take much for them to come out again, does it? So, I, I mean, so, look, that was a bit rambly, but um, I, I I can't guarantee that we will sustain a good run to the end of the season because I think they're knackered and it's going to be really hard playing twice a week um, with Europa. We'll see how far it goes with the, the game against Milan because they're a good team. Um, and, and the resources aren't super awesome, especially with a couple of injuries. Yeah, but... And, yeah. Uh, no one's going to sustain a run between now and the end of the season except Man City. So we saw Leicester lose to Arsenal last week. Um, I don't even know what they've done this weekend, actually. I um, Are they... They, yeah, they beat they beat oh, Brighton. Yeah, they, yeah, they I mean, beat Brighton to... on the old score sheet because <laughs> Brighton, someone, some data analyst has cursed them. I think. Um, uh, but but you know we then we saw we, I mean, we've seen Liverpool now lose six in a row at Anfield. Um, Tottenham been all over the place. They're winning right now against Palace, but they've you know been been all over the place. Chelsea, Chelsea have hit a, a certain level of consistency under Tuchel so far, but. Um, uh, it's not been like a extremely exciting points gathering juggernaut necessarily, although it's it's clearly a significant step up on what was happening under Lampard. Maybe they'll be they'll be the exception in terms of some some degree of consistency, but you know we'll see. Um, one thing's for sure, I don't think United will be alone in struggling because I, I do think you know when when I was talking about fatigue, I didn't even say this. But I'm I'm not even talking about physical fatigue at, almost at all, although that's clearly a factor. Um, you can kind of manage that easier than you can manage mental fatigue. And 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 if for some reason the world had completely somehow returned to normal by now, but football still had to catch up, I think it would be easier for the mental fatigue side of things to be coped with. I think I said this last week, but this particular lockdown in in the UK is clearly getting to people in a way that previous ones, you know, progressively um, as these lockdowns, the the kind of three big lockdowns have happened, you've seen them kind of get to more and more and more and more people. Um, And uh, I'm sure footballers, well, we know, don't we, that that they're not often sports people in general aren't treated like they're humans. But my goodness me, what's being asked of them is incredibly challenging from a mental perspective. So, yeah. Yes, well, they're all going to go off to their international fixtures um, in a week's time or so, uh, two weeks, I think it is, uh, which is going to be awesome in the middle of the pandemic, having everyone fly around the world uh, to get different variants and bring back their clubs. Good planning, folks at FIFA. Uh, but I, look, I agree. I, you know, I think it does feel like it's taking a toll on a, an awful lot of teams. City have got more resources than anybody else uh, and playing the most efficient way, uh, and so they've. Um, They've been able to survive this better than others. But it didn't look like they were going to at the beginning of this season, did it? They they were also struggling. Well, you know, United 
City and Wolves, the three teams that had 30 days off, all had a slow mm. start to the season. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and two of those are weirdly first and second in the league. I mean, one of the lovely things about this result, of course, is like, eh, just comfy second in the league. Top four. Top four's looking pretty sweet right about now. Like, of course, you're right that um, that a couple of injuries and it starts to get uh, a little messy. But like, uh, I mean, we are we are hefty favourites to finish in the top four, which is, you know, it's just not something that we're used to whatsoever. Um, 538, you know, my favourite uh, obsession. 91% now Man United finishing in the top four. I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. I mean, it's obviously that's a massive win today, um, not just for the occasion and what it means for us fans, but um, but for the top four with with um, you know everyone's results being up and down. Uh, but it, look, it, we were we were two wins away for other people away from being fifth before today. Yeah, so ninety one. Like, am I gonna? believe i'm gonna be successful 100 bets on united win i do yeah i know i know their model is better than my punditry i know that but i don't I believe mean, it right now the team that's in uh fifth have got two games in hand on us um but that's everton and the chances of winning both of those games in hand is relatively you know they've lost eight games this season twice as many as united uh we've got 54 points everton in fifth uh, with two games in hand, have 46 points. Um, so, you know, they, they make up that cushion. And then we'd be looking at, even if they won both those games, they'd have 50 points. We'd be seven points ahead of Chelsea at the moment. And Yeah, Chelsea had a game in hand yeah. as well, though. So that's what I'm just saying. It's only really two losses. And, but uh, but it's yeah, but so. it isn't, is it? Because it's it's also all. The, I mean, this is why this statistical model is pretty effective over the long haul, right? Because the others have to be successful too. I know that there's yeah. definitely two sides of that, and and yeah. none of and none of anyway. them are <laughs> like the the level of inconsistency is such that the points on the board carry this like real excess value and weight. Now, having said that, yeah. if we uh, you know um, say we like have a bad result against Milan take the hangover of that into next weekend against West Ham, like next Sunday night, 7.15 against West Ham. Cheers. Good for the podcasters, that one. Um, but actually probably good for United to have an extra two hours recovery time or whatever. Um, but, you know, we we, we have a, a bad nil-nil draw against West Ham and it's all looking pretty, pretty shaky again. But 91% is what the nerds are saying. And uh, if there's one thing that general elections have shown us, it's that they know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yes i mean look um i i feel like i've said this a few times but you, you look at the fixtures from here and uh i, I can definitely build scenarios in which it doesn't work out very yeah, well nine, for united nine out of it's 100 just, it's just oh. is that yeah no i know but my scenarios feel more realistic than that in my head and it may just be you know the 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 creeping sense of doom that i have in the back of the head the mental scarring from the last seven years um of course um uh, you know, we talk on the backers content about cricket. Uh, my perpetual sense of doom, uh, which comes from um, years and years of uh, 
childhood trauma of the England cricket team being very bad in the 80s and 90s um, is always there. So I'm like, yeah, I knew, I knew, I knew, were, it, you, I knew, knew we were going to get bowled you, out. You were, you were finally you know? right <laughs> as well. Like, it's been so long since you were yeah, right. Exactly. I just say that. Series, you were fine. We'll talk more about that on the at the end of the show. Yeah. So, I know we scored 791 in the first session, but we're definitely getting bowled out for 20 next time out. Kind of would have been, kind of um, would have been true, uh, apart but, from the first part in this uh, recent series. Anyway, yeah, but, but to, to finish my thought, you know, the the next set of games are a bunch of cup games, which maybe they do or maybe they don't matter, um, depending on what's more important. So I, I think. A trophy for Ollie would be very important, but of course for the the owners, the uh, money of uh, you know guaranteed forty or fifty million pounds that comes with qualifying for the Champions League is more important. But but two games against Milan, the game against West Ham, they're they're doing really well. Cup quarter final, FA Cup quarter final against Leicester, um, and you know it's hard to tell which Leicester side will turn up because um, they are brilliant but inconsistent. Um, and then a bunch of you know banana skins after that. It feels no. It should, there's, there's, you know, there's statisticians. Yeah, there's statisticians. Brighton, who all get twelve xg against us and no goals. There's Mourinho. Oh, and there's Burnley, and I hate playing Burnley at Old Trafford. They yeah, that's like the that's the only place. Old Trafford. Turf Moor is just three free points. It's that it's an easy place to go. There's Leeds. Who knows? And, Leeds yeah. I know who knows and then there's Liverpool and and you know it just feels like a run of of games in which I can't predict and so because I can't predict it the little man standing on my shoulder saying doom is is shouting in my ears quite loudly still we just beat City so you know hey up <laughs> honestly the like you 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 try so hard Ed you tried so hard you gave 16 full minutes of upbeat commentary and then started to talk about the future and immediately it was like and you prefaced it by saying I don't want to be Debbie Downer but there's very little evidence that you don't want to be Debbie Downer (laughs) (laughs) no but listen the the thing about this season is the idea of taking this season and and not kind of eking out any joy that you can from it it's like we might just got to enjoy a performance like that um, let's talk a little bit more about some of the individual players who had good performances in that City game, um, because I don't think we've done the game itself anywhere near justice. Um, Rashford uh, was threatening, but clearly is struggling with some long-term injuries. He's picked up something and had to come off his, his ankle. Um, it was was kicked pretty hard, and and but he's got this shoulder. Yeah, which isn't the one he's struggling with. Yeah. He's got the shoulder problem, yeah, and the, and the ongoing back thing, which seems yeah. To so um, he he was pretty good. Dan James was not much on the ball, but uh, really effective off it. And that's not I'm not damning him with frank praise. He was really effective off it and made a big difference. Aaron Wan-Bissaka versus Raheem Sterling is, uh, as has been widely discussed, one of the most fun one-on-one drills drills in football. That must be an absolute joy for the neutral. Wan-Bissaka put in a couple of. Brilliant! Just a couple of brilliant moments from him. Of you know, um, when you've got a, a defender who relies on uh, this is a weird thing to say about a footballer. He really relies on his legs, like um, the use of the specific use of his legs, which is essentially football. But he will stick out his leg at the right moment so often, and you're watching it kind of with your heart in your mouth because we're almost like not attuned to defenders. Like really, not just not like slightly putting out his foot, but jabbing his leg out to kind of punch the ball off someone. 
that really isn't something you see from a lot of players nowadays. And he does it so well, so consistently. Yes, he's so consistent with that that it's not it's not by accident. So the, the pundits who still go, oh well, he's he's if he's doing that, it's desperate and he's getting himself in the wrong position, um, have it wrong because Wambazaka does this all the time. You know, this is this is a skill he knows how to do it. Uh, I, he he has stopped at least recently, getting himself out of position quite as much. He had a really bad start to the season. I thought his first half of the season was really poor. Um, and that, that kind of worried me because you're hoping for progression from a young player, aren't you? And and it kind of stopped and there's you know some things we need from him. Um, but I think he's been better of late. Um, so, yeah, he, he did all right. Look, the two central defenders who we just give pelters to all the time and, um, and Tom... In private, hates with such a passion. It's it's inspiring actually to see a man hate that much. Uh, hates Maguire, hates him, hates him. Um, but you know we we can say good things about them because they they did the right things today, didn't they? And Shaw was brilliant. You know, not not just the goal. Um, you know, I was like, oh, how could he miss that right footed shot in the first half? The eleven percent chance he had. Um, but just uh, getting up and down there, attacking outlet constantly, as well as you know, um, near perfect defending. Uh, so yeah, all of them. And and we haven't even talked about Henderson today because the hair's off in Spain. His wife's had a baby. Um, he's begin for time off, which has been a nice excuse for Dino to take the number one. Shirt, not no, made a mistake. And looks really, I mean, we know this about Henderson, but he looks super commanding. And uh, there was one where Maguire um, headed a ball and it was uh, it was quite deep, the, the cross. And it was just muscle memory from having De Gea behind him a couple of seasons, a couple of, uh, like half a season. He wouldn't have been going for that. He'd have been leaving it for the keeper because he, he would have trusted the keeper to get it. Um uh, Luke Shaw, you, you mentioned Wan-Bissaka's start to the season, first half of the season. Luke Shaw, two or three games into the season, me and you were having conversations about how there's a kind of, this is almost United's most pressing need is for a new left back. Luke Shaw's finished. There's no way he's going to come back from this. I mean, what a what a, 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 a foolish, poor at predicting the future couple of people we are because, I mean... Uh, honestly, uh, as I said, the statistical model on Shaw failing was ninety-one percent. Absolutely magnificent, and Bruno's obviously going to win all the Player of Season awards. Um, but it's nice that Luke Shaw's eighteen nineteen Player of the Season can basically be trans. That that absolute travesty of an award can be transposed onto this season, and he can have it as a kind of actually. Even though Bruno's great, I might secretly have been Man United's player of the season uh, 2021. Uh, A phenomenal, just, just, um, it's quite moving actually. And he was talking about mental health stuff in the week and how he's been in some really dark places himself and how, you know, as a lad in football, you're just still, you know, expected to suck it up and all that kind of stuff. And there's all the language about that. and, And there still is. And, you know, I, I hope he's doing really well personally and because he, he's clearly doing absolutely brilliantly professionally right now. Yeah. I, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes with him. Of course, you know, uh, you and I and, and lots of other people will have had the um, the fairly well-founded discussion about um, his 
lack of professionalism and his entourage that he had um, previously and how it had affect his his focus on football and obviously you know we've had a few coaches who've talked about that rather publicly um uh, or at least alluded to it um I don't know whether there's something changed in his personal life that's happened I suspect I suspect that um there's been because you don't normally get this sort of change in you know clearly fitness matters He's obviously clearly yeah. He looks in incredible shape. Like so, the amount he's the amount of shift yeah. he's able to put in every single game. It's significant, right? And his body hasn't failed him this season. And let's touch wood, it, it doesn't, uh, because throughout his time at United, it's not the big injury. It's all the little injuries he's had, which which may well be associated anyway. Sure. You know, um, biomechanics are complex. Um, but but he's not been let down by his body. He's clearly very fit, and I suspect he's more focused than he's ever been. And and that's where you get a you know superb season from. And and all that latent talent is coming out. And I look delighted for him because because it took me a long time to to um, give up on him. And when I gave up on him, I gave up on not that he cares <laughs> no. about this, you know, or, or anyone else. But <laughs> and neither, neither should you, because my opinion's worth nothing. But um, I gave up on him hard. I didn't believe at all that he had it in him to to make a career yeah. at United. You know, I thought he was he was. I thought his next stop was Everton, and after that yeah. was Fulham or something. And and that. instead, his next stop should absolutely be England's first choice left back at the Euros. I mean. Very selfishly from a United perspective, I guess it's probably better for United if he doesn't. But then I don't think it's even that straightforward because I think the confidence boost he could potentially get from that and et cetera, et cetera, like, you know, it could end up being a net benefit for United. But never mind that. It's just, it's what he deserves in a way for the kind of the effort and the quality and the levels of performance and the kind of clearly pretty dark places that he's come back from. So, yeah. Um, uh, Like, uh, McTominay continued to... like my pet theory that Scott McTominay is actually good. There was a, a few nice touches. There was one in particular, just a beautiful, um, a beautiful layoff under pressure. Uh, Bruno was better than he has been in these big games. He found a few of those killer passes um, more effectively. He was a kind of constant thorn in City side. Took his penalty really well. Obviously, um, not outstanding, but but more than decent, and not too many. Silly gives of the ball away. Um, one layoff to Fred under pressure, which felt like in, in United's own third. And you're thinking, don't give it to him there. Like, what's he going to do with it there? Uh, Fred was all right. I thought, I don't, I don't think he had a bad game. Um, not, I didn't think he was great, but um, I, I also wasn't paying forensic attention to what he was up to. No, I mean, Fred in a game like this drives you a bit bonkers because, because his um, use of the ball isn't awesome. Um, but yeah, they were fine as a, a pair. But Tomate's all over the place. I am, um, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm almost in the camp with you that he's good. Uh, I, I, I think it's he's, um, he, he's, he just falls between two stalls, and I, I don't know what to, you know, if it, if it was Mourinho, he'd be playing him as a six every week, and and you know, we'd be seeing whether he could build up the defensive side of his game. Here in the double pivot with Fred, he needs to be the progressive passer because Fred's never going to be that. Just doesn't have it in him. So there's there's more more I'd like to see from McTominay for him to be really good. Um, but in a double pivot in a game like this, he is good, isn't he? Because he 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 runs with it. You know, he progresses the ball um, well enough 
uh, especially running with it. He's breaking up plenty of um, play. He uses space well. He's got lots of energy, um, you know, and then Fred gets it and hacks a five-yard pass to City. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, hey. uh, I, You mentioned Foden and, and potentially how he could have started in a false nine. Uh, he did look he did look like a difference maker when he came on. And I wondered, you know, if I was a City fan, I think I would have wanted to see him 15 minutes earlier. And especially in hindsight, you would have wanted to see him 15 minutes earlier because I think United were a little rattled once Foden came on and started to propose a sort of different threat. And there was, you know, City didn't create any massive chances, but they were the bounce of the ball away from a couple of really big chances. Um, and And at one point... I was absolutely convinced they were about to score. They didn't. And that was, I think it was about 80 minutes in or something like that. And it, it wasn't like a big chance that they missed. It was just um, just the ball bounced wrong for them. And you think about all those times you're watching United and you feel like they're about to do something and they don't. And the bounce of the ball goes wrong. You think, okay, yeah, not one of our, not, not our day today. And it felt a little bit like that for City. Yes. I mean, the very specific thing that I think was wrong about that is, is you know, Jesus just provided a man to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. mark in, instead of having to mark that space. And if it was Foden or De Bruyne or Sterling that played as false nine, Maguire and Lindelof would have decided had to decide whether to allow the free shot and the free space in between midfield and, and defence or to push five or ten yards further forward and allow for the third man run. And that's it. how City kill so many teams with that false nine. Um, and they didn't today, which is awesome. And Paul's jumping up and down while we're recording this, which means that uh, Spurs have conceded an <laughs> equaliser. Yes, Benteke header. Um, <laughs> honestly, like a Palace win today and that's football done. A draw, I'll take a draw. Draw's fine. More than happy with a draw. Um so uh, the the thing about Foden as well is not just the system, although I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a really astute observation, actually, which I hadn't thought of at all. Um, I just thought the per- personnel-wise, why don't you... I know this is very, like, football 101, right? This is Fabian Delph in the, Fabian Delph in the dressing room shouting at Pep, it's simple, and Pep going, no, 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 it's so complicated. Um, but <laughs> the... Um, why don't you play Phil Foden in the Manchester derby? What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? It's not like Phil Foden is just hashtag passion, but wouldn't you want that energy in that team on top of the quality and all, all that stuff? Someone with an additional level of edge, an additional level of care. I mean, maybe maybe he's in a Wayne Rooney situation and he cares too much um, and would try too hard and be bad, but you know. Yeah, I doubt it. I, I think that was to our favour, um, that one, both the person and the system. Uh, but there you go. You know, um, come for the United chat, stay for the <laughs> Mourinho hate. Right. Uh, Patreon.com slash NQAT pod for literally a weekly dose of it. Um, uh, we'll take a quick break now, though, and uh, come back with some chat about uh, Milan and West Ham. If you want more for the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. It's weird saying Milan and West Ham at the end of the first part of that show, like they're two things that go together. I mean, I know actually uh, they've probably been at a fairly sim- similar level for quite a little while now, um, but uh, <laughs> one of the well. great all time clubs uh, in Europe. How far they done fell, of course, much like us. This is, I think I said when the draw came out, this is the Spider-Man pointing him itself meme of all draws, us against Milan. Um, 
But all I want now, I mean, did I hear that Zlatan's not going to play in this game? Uh, apparently, uh, yes, yeah, injured, we'll, apparently. We'll see, but like, uh, I currently am, I've gone full anti-Zlatan. Always kind of like slightly wanted Zlatan to do well just because of the way he was talked about by really small-minded uh, English football journalists, basically. Um, but between him shouting at Lukaku uh, to do his voodoo, a, a racist false allegation that had previously been made at Romelu Lukaku by Everton's owner, um, and the absolute nonsense, the shut-up-and-dribble nonsense that he talked about LeBron James, uh, Zlatan can go to heck in a handcart as far as I'm concerned. Yes, yes. I mean, see, last week, um, he's yes, he's talked an awful lot of nonsense recently. Zlatan, he, he's always been a man full of himself and um, doubling down on his um, bullshit opinions uh, is not a great look. Um, Milan, um, they're doing OK. I mean, they were top of Serie A for a, a fair while this season. They're not anymore. Um, they got tanks by Inter last week. Um, Romelu scoring in that one, as he has been all season. Um, so, you know, it looked, but it's going to be a tough game for United because this is a, you know, even if it is a semi-resurgent Milan, it is a resurgence of somewhat because they've been down and out for an awful long time. Financial troubles, uh, had a new owner a few years back, um, been out of the Champions League for what seems like an eternity. Um, and, you know, two greats of the European game meeting in the Europa round of, what is it? 16, I think. I've lost count. I think it's 16, yeah. I think there's only... That's what the Europa's all about, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, it kind of is, isn't it? Uh, So what specific threats to Milan pose, you ask, dear listener? Um, I don't know is the answer. I could have told you that Zlatan was doing very well. Could have told you about that, but given that he's not involved, um, this is is starting to be a considerably less uh, well-researched piece um, their second highest goal scorer this season is the midfielder Frank Kessy, who has nine league goals um, from a very pleasing 9.02 xG. So that's you know it's clear that he uh, he's not exactly um, over or underperforming his his numbers. So we we could start calling him data science's Frank Kessy, I guess. Yeah, yeah, he's the sort of. Uh defensive midfielder so he's done he's done pretty good um to score that many goals from that position this season I mean look they've um they've I, I'm not sure who they'll play in place of Zlatan I mean Rafael Leal um is sometimes there forward isn't he um and uh, I think am I right in saying um Tamori from Chelsea is over there on loan at the moment uh, he'll be familiar yeah um, and he, he... Everyone will be familiar with um, uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma, who I'm sure there'll be an awful lot of talk about um, in the coming months because he's out of contract uh, and there'll be a lot of clubs looking at him. So, you know, some some good players to cause us some trouble. Uh, Hakan Chanelodj, uh, oh, I went for it. I really went for it hard and then it just, I got halfway through and it went wrong. Uh, Chalanoglu, um, who is like their most kind of potent creator uh, in the league, both in terms of actual assists and also expected assists. Uh, not surprising that his numbers are good. This guy was always clearly going to be a player and it was just, is he going to be, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid player or is he going to be Milan, Manchester United kind of player? Oh, damn it, damn harsh, it, harsh. damn it. And listen, we're delighted to be second in the league 
with absolutely no chance of winning it. So, you know, that's, that is yeah. where we're at right now. But, but he, you know, he's averaging more than three key passes per game, which is a lot. Yeah. Right. That that is a lot. That is um I think better than Bruno. Actually, I don't have the data right in front of me, but I suspect it is. But um it's um you know, nearly four key passes a game. So he is a creative force. Um he gets a lot he hasn't scored a lot of goals, but he gets a decent amount of assists and you know, he keeps Milan ticking along. Um, they're clearly getting a lot of joy from their fullbacks as well, given that um Theo Nandos has four goals and four assists so far this season and is putting up Decent numbers in terms of key passes and especially expect, expected assists. Um, and then you've got uh, their other fullback who's played 10 league games this season. I guess, I think he's on loan, so I don't think he's allowed to play. But, oh, Diogo Dallo is there. Maybe he'll hook us up with some inside info about um, their secret weaknesses or something like that. Do you think Milan will be spending money on Diego Dallo or will he be back at United next season? It's it's a great question. I mean, the fact that he's played 10 games is like either like, well, he's played 10 games or mm, he's only played 10 games. So, yeah, know. no, I'm, I'm thinking a loan to Crystal Palace next season is in the offing. <laughs> um, uh, talking to which, a slight aside, Andreas Pereira um, at Lazio. Um, on loan but with an option to buy and um, the reports this week that uh, Lazio will not be taking up that option to buy I mean Um, you say you say reports this week but like I'm pretty sure also immediately as any United fan saw that contract and saw that deal they were like oh Lazio will not be taking up the option to buy Andreas Pereira at the end of this season like that was never going to happen was it He'd have had to have a miracle season because it's a big number yeah. as well. Yeah, it's like 20-something, isn't it? I mean, it does leave United with a, an awful lot of problems <laughs> next season, mostly on the outgoing. So how do you get rid of a player? Um, I think he's got quite a long time on his contract left as well. You know, So you've got Dallo, Pereira and Phil Jones. They'll all have the, uh, that they definitely need to get rid of. They managed to get rid of Romero. And uh, oh no, he's on the books until the summer. But uh, and um, and the other guy whose name I've totally wiped from my memory, who burns toast, you know, Marcus Rocco's gone though. He's That's actually it. Gone. he's gone. That's what I'm saying. He's, he's gone. Um, paid off his contract though. By the way, he's gone because we paid him <laughs> uh, to go. So you know, United have problems. Anyway, that's a, that's all on the side. Um, the immediate problem is Thursday night. I, I think it's Old Trafford. This one, isn't it? Not that it matters. Uh, I, yeah, I can look that up if you want me to look it up, but I couldn't tell you for sure. Uh, yes, it is indeed at, at Old Trafford. Two games in a row at Old Trafford because we then play West Ham. Just a quick note um, on on the data because I'm fascinated by it. Zlatan averaging five shots a game in Syria. To put that into context, Bruno averaging uh, just over three. Um, so Bruno Fernandez shoots a lot less than Zlatan, and uh, Chanaloglu is averaging. More than a key pass a game, more than Bruno, having just quickly checked the numbers. Um, talking of numbers, after the Milan game, uh, we have another game pretty quickly on the heels of that one. Uh, quarter past seven on Sunday night, we play David Moyes' resurgent West Ham United, who uh, lost to Man City last weekend, but put in a really, really good shift against them. A really good shift. And... Uh, uh, they haven't played yet this weekend because they're playing uh, Leeds uh, tomorrow night, but then they don't right. have a game in midweek. So, which is a big advantage, undoubtedly. You know, I, I think it does matter that. I mean, 
what time did you say kickoff is on Sunday against Quarter past seven. Quarter past seven. Okay, so you know, I, I guess that's a that's a midweek to, to weekend decent turnaround. Um, better than a Saturday morning kickoff, isn't it? <laughs> after after playing Milan, but it, it's definitely an advantage. They'll have um, more than forty eight hours extra rest, um, and in this season, every every piece of rest counts. Um, it's a good job that you know don't have to travel at least. Um, so we're saying that um, it's not very long, although it, it feels like a thousand years ago. I had to look up the lineups and the scorers to even jog my memory about what happened in this game. But we played them at Old Trafford on the 9th of Feb. How long ago would you have guessed the last time we played West Ham was? Because I definitely wouldn't have said less than a month ago. <laughs> um, but uh, we won 1-0 after extra time um, in a game where both both teams played like a pretty full-strength side, although... Uh, we played Van der Beek over uh, Fernandez in that one, but they played. You know, uh, Suchek played, Bowen played, Declan Rice played. Um, they had injuries, so yeah, Milenko played up front. We had a lot, a lot of possession, a lot of shots uh, in that game, but it took until the 97th minute for us to to go ahead, basically. Um, so uh, this game is going to be hard. I think that's. I, I just. I can't see this being a comfortable United win. He's he, he's got them playing just excellent football that suits their strengths. I guess they'll be without one of their main threats, which is Jesse Lingard's movement off the ball, which has been a massive factor for them. It has been. He's um, uh, talking of Deadwood that United want to get rid of. He'll be one that might actually have a market this this summer. Um, so yes, it will. You know, is Michael Antonio back? He's, Absolutely, he has, yeah. He's, he he's scored. Back, yeah. He scored their goal against City, and yeah, a really good header as well. It was, and so yes, he's definitely a threat. It, he provides the kind of movement um, that will cause our um, wonderful, amazing, top quality central defenders fair amounts of problems. Obviously, um, and and Moyes has this West Ham team playing. Um, you know, it's not complicated, but it's good football and they're overperforming the quality of players they have in their squad. Yeah, absolutely. He's finally doing it. Um, a couple of predictions then needed. Um, I think these are both games which are really tricky to predict and, and well, every United game is this season. I I, I think Milan will have some, some threats. It's going to be fascinating to see what he does in terms of uh, the strength of the two two 11s that he puts out. I wonder if he won't just try and play more or less the, the full strength 11 in both of these games. Um, Cause the, the, the Europa league's obviously starting to get real now. And, and Milan is, is a sort of like, you know, uh, a glamour tie. So I wonder whether we won't see a kind of full strength side. And I, I'm going to go with a two, one win to United against Milan. And unfortunately I think like a one all draw against West Ham. Yeah, I, I don't know how to predict a result, but um, I, I think there will be three or four changes, at least for Thursday's game. I mean, he's going to have to freshen it up a little bit, but the key players will, will all be in. I mean, I'm going to assume with Rashford turning over on his ankle, he will not be ready for Thursday. Um, it would seem hey, unlikely. Greenwood will play, I guess, which is no bad thing. Yeah, Greenwood will play. Don't, don't know about Cavani's fitness um, and whether he's going to be okay to play. There aren't too many options in central midfield right now. I mean, Matic might. 
um, if he wants to give McTominay or Fred one of them a, a rest. Yeah. Um, and we'll see, you know, Shaw, Shaw had a great game today, but at one point it looked like um, he might be struggling as well. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Alex Tellez um, on Thursday as well. And obviously Henderson plays in goal because he plays in goal in the Europa or maybe just always now, who knows? Yeah, we'll see what happens when Dave gets back. So anyway, I hope everyone's enjoyed this show. It's been uh, super fun to do a great upbeat show about how um, United probably won't make the Champions League uh, or something like that. <laughs> but it was, no, seriously though, uh, really fun. And what a what a joyous win after those 3-0-0 draws. Almost, almost made the 270 minutes of all of our lives that we'll never get back more than worth it. In fact, I guess... It it more than makes it worth it, doesn't it? This is the whole point of supporting a football team is uh, yeah. you get these moments. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of Reds absolutely buzzing today. Like uh, this is one of those days where working from home uh, is a real downer because you just want to be in the office, you know, uh, talking to the, all the City fans. So, yeah. That's right. I mean, I have a few that I'll uh, rip over or have already been ribbing over WhatsApp, but it's not its not quite the same. Um, obviously, I'm 5,000 miles away from uh, from people I can rib in person anyway at the moment. But Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, super fun. Um, so, yeah, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Patreon backers, stay tuned, and we'll do, um, we'll do a roundup of all the fixtures. There'll be quite a lot of, quite a lot of laughing at our enemies, I guess, on, on the show. Uh, we've done some of that already today and there's, there's more to come. Very good. Yes. Have a, have a great week, everyone. And uh, yeah, for Patreon backers, we'll speak to you again in, in uh, like three seconds time.